0: Hello, I'm Jim Salverson and this is VoiceWorks Sound Business, a podcast all about sound. In audio, we talk a lot about audiences. Who's listening, where they're listening and why, but rarely do we flip the microscope around and look at who is making that content. Until now. At the end of June, Sounds Profitable teamed up with Edison Research in the US to perform the first ever study of podcast creators to see what they could learn about those who make and publish shows. On this episode of Sound Business, I'm speaking to one half of Sounds Profitable and the architect of the survey, Tom Webster, who, with his business partner Brian Beletta, do a whole load of brilliant podcasting activity, from research to events, to insight that, in their own words, seeks to educate and empower the podcasting industry. This episode features solely on their Creators Survey and Tom is going to educate and empower me as he takes me through the results of the first ever Creators Podcasting Survey. Tom Webster, welcome to Sound Business. How are you and where are you?
1: I'm great. I'm in Boston, Massachusetts, here in the United States. I'm uh, right downtown next to the old state house, one of the monuments to throwing off the yoke of British oppression, Jim.
0: (laughs) Boston is my wife's favorite city in the world, and I've never been yet. She talks about it every year we've been married. We've been married about, well, 14 years last week, actually, and uh, we've never gone together, but it's definitely on my bucket list of places to visit. I hear it's
1: beautiful. It's probably the most European city. Of American cities, I would think.
0: Okay, well, we're not here to give travel advice for those looking to visit the US. We're here to talk about the recent Sounds Profitable research that was published in conjunction with Edison. The first ever large-scale survey looking at podcast creators and who it is that is making podcasts rather than who it is that's listening to podcasts. Why did you decide to do this survey? What made you want to discover more about the people who are making these products?
1: Yeah, it was it was really an easy question. I've been a media researcher for 25 years. And in the last three or four years in the podcasting space, the most frequently asked and yet unanswered question that I have gotten has been, can you tell us more about the people creating podcasts? I get that from journalists. I get that from people in the investment community, from VCs. And it's not an easy thing to answer from a survey perspective. You know, anybody could post a link on Twitter saying, hey, do you make podcasts? Click this. But that's wildly inaccurate and unrepresentative. Uh, But the the actual percentage of a population that is creating podcasts is so small that, Mm. you know, for in in most cases, it's financially not feasible to find the answer to this. But we took a a very patient approach and were able to collect enough data over the the course of a year from a, a representative stratified online panel, something that we certainly paid a lot of money for to make sure that it's as representative of the online population as possible. And we finally came up with the answer. So it's been a long time coming.
0: We're going to dig more into the detail of the survey shortly and some of the interesting things that you've discovered. But before we get into what you did discover, what did you expect to discover by turning around the telescope? Because so much research and time is spent looking at audiences and their behaviours for fairly obvious reasons, I guess. But what was the value you saw in looking the other way?
1: I expected and found um i expected to find a disconnect between the audience and the creators and mm-hmm. i i fully anticipated finding that by the way that's not unique to podcasting but my educated guess was going to be that the creators were going to differ in some dramatic ways from the average podcast listener and that that in turn would play a role in the types of content being created and you know making podcasting as mainstream a medium as possible really to ensure its survival and monetization and entrenchment as a legitimate medium.
0: So we're going to have a look at some of the details within the survey now. And if anyone listening hasn't seen the results yet, you can find the links in the podcast description where you can go and discover and pour over the detail. But if you've not seen it, you compared the mean averages from the US population with those of podcast creators. And it was details around things like education and gender and earnings. And you presented those side by side. So you could see the stark differences between the population and those that were making podcasts. And one of the things that really stood out for me, and maybe surprised me as well, was that podcasting is much more reflective of the population, certainly in the US, than other media types. The proportion of non-white creators is much greater within podcasting than the average as a population. And I thought this was really interesting because that is 100% not the case in other medias. In radio, and TV, you see a massive bias towards male, white, middle-class people in those industries. So why do you think it was so much lower well, why do you think it was so much higher, I guess, that there was a more uh, democratic and representative involvement in podcasting? Is it because the, the barriers to entry are low? Is it because, I'm not even sure this is a word, that podcasting is almost uninstitutionalized? I, d- I definitely don't think that's a word, actually. But why do you think we <laughs> saw those results?
1: Well, I mean, we did see some biases in the data, and uh, we may touch on this later. I mean, the the creator space is extremely male, and it is extremely kind of eighteen to forty four. But in terms mm-hmm. of diversity, which you're talking about here, the creator population is, in fact, more diverse than the U.S. population. And you know, honestly, a lot of that is driven by one data point in particular, and that is the tremendous influx of uh, Hispanic Latino creators and listeners to podcasts in America, and. This is just one data point of about four or five I could name in the last couple of years that that really corroborates that. Edison Research has put out a U.S. Latino podcast listener study for the past two years, and it's shown incredible explosive growth in the Latino podcast listening audience. And I think, you know, one thing that it's sort of easy to gloss over when you look at data like this is that every creator is a listener and Mm -hmm. every creator creates one, two, five, maybe more listeners, right? Every creator is sort of the, the seed that, that sparks a, a number of flowers. So uh, as we've seen the Latino listening audience grow considerably, that's certainly reflected in the creator space. And I think we're going to continue to see the podcast listening audience in America continue to be more diverse than the US population. And, and this is certainly one of the reasons why.
0: What's driving that then? That's something that sounds like it's quite unique to the US. I don't think we've seen that same kind of explosion in the UK yet, but the UK is traditionally two, three years behind the US market. Do you know what's driving that?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I would point out here is that in the media business, people tend to talk about things like Latino listeners in a sort of monolithic way. But in reality, the Latino audience is far from monolithic. You know, they're they're from Any one of a couple of dozen different countries right here in the United States, you know, certainly Latinos in this country, they could come from Mexico, they could come from Central America, some may come from South America. They all have different cultures, all have different heritages, and where they are not finding the media that they're looking for, that appeals to them, that talks about the issues they're concerned about, they're creating it. And so, you know, rather than think about this block as sort of a monolithic block of, of humans in the United States, it's a, really a, a whole collection of diverse, smaller blocks, all creating mm. content that fits their individual needs, that in some cases gives them a taste of home, gives them a taste of the football that they're, that they're crazy about, gives them a taste of the entertainment that they follow. And all of that sort of adds up to give you those bigger numbers.
0: And I suppose that is where podcasting shines, isn't it? It's nailing the niche, it's drilling down into the underrepresented markets. Um, One of the other interesting parts of the survey that I saw, and you mentioned it a moment ago, was the male-female bias. And there is a stark comparison between the makeup of that making podcasts and the makeup of that in the US population. Only 29% of creators being female in the survey results what do you put that down to? And what can be done to open up those opportunities? Because, as I said earlier, the barrier to entry for podcasting is quite low. It's a very easy yep. market to access. So, what is stopping the female population getting involved in the podcasting world?
1: Some of this is historical data. I mean, the question that we ask in the Creator Survey is. Do you currently or have you ever produced a podcast? So, you know, that's a very historical look at the creator space in some ways. Mm. And and I would venture to guess that had we done this study back in 2005, 2006, it would have been 99% male. And a lot of that, frankly, kind of the early days of podcasting, a lot of the early podcasters were frustrated radio folks, right, that uh, <laughs> either were underemployed or underheard or underrepresented in the radio business. The radio business itself is overwhelmingly male. That industry uh, needs a lot more help than podcasting, I think, when it comes to representation. So some of that is to sort of the historical gestation of that. But a lot of it, I think, it's really down to, in some cases, you know, we're all, there are opportunities available to all of us, but There are so many podcasts out there, Uh, just sort of think about it this way, where it's uh, two, three, maybe four people talking about a topic, and it's really comfortable for someone to say, well, I'm going to get two or three of my guy friends, right? Well, all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, you've got four male creators, five male creators, and I, I think representation in the space is going to be driven as much from the bottom up, from the individual creator as up as much as possible. And it's about extending opportunities and invitations to women, not just as hosts, but you know, in the audio editing, production, booking, producing, all of those things is, is extending the invitation, extending support, extending opportunities where perhaps they don't exist. I do think that the creator space is less of an old boys club (laughs) than it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But this data suggests there's still a ways to go.
0: I guess as with any kind of representation, you need to be able to see yourself or imagine yourself doing something in order to take the leap and then go and do it. And that is the same with podcasting. The more people hear voices of color and people of different sexes and genders being involved in podcasting, the more that opens the door a little bit wider for people who feel represented to then think, oh, I can do that. That's something that I can imagine myself doing.
1: Yeah. There's also, the heart of my career is obviously research and and demographics and and things like that. And you know, when a system is unequal, when a system has inequities to begin with, right? If it's already three quarters male or 80% male, then simply being equal from that point on never actually restores equity, right? Mm. If uh, you have $2 and I have $1, And we decide, all right, we're going to split everything else from now on equally. And, you know, half a dollar goes to you and half a dollar goes to me. You'll always have more money than I will. That's just the way it works. So you actually have to be inequitable in the other direction to actually achieve Mm. equity.
0: The age demo I thought was also super interesting within this survey. 86% of people making podcasts are under the age of 44. Is that same demographic reflected in the listenership of podcasts? Have you seen that in previous surveys? So are the people that are making podcasts and the people that are listening to podcasts kind of falling into the same age bracket?
1: Well, there is a larger group of 45 plus and 55 plus podcast listeners, without a doubt. I will say that the 55 plus demographic in listening lags behind the population even still. And one of the main reasons for that I think you see it in this creator data. I think it's simply because a lot of the podcasts that are being created right now, it's not necessarily that they're being pitched one way or another, but they are being created by younger people and not Mm -hmm. necessarily with the needs, wants, and desires of people 55 plus at hand, right? Uh, You know, some of that is ageism. Some of that is just simply ignorance. Thinking that a podcast for somebody that's 55 and older has to be about retirement income or something like that is... (laughs) It's kind of ridiculous in 2022 with the lifespans that we have. So I I think empowering more people in their 50s, in their 60s and beyond to create podcast content is going to create content of a sensibility, I think, that will be more appealing to older humans.
0: I mean, as a creator, I look at this data and kind of naturally try and see opportunities within it. And I guess for me, one of the things that stood out was that age demographic and the idea that only 2% of people who are making podcasts are over the age of 55. Would you say it's a fair statement that that is a potential gap in the market that could be exploited?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think, by the way, the content is already out there. I think it's distribution and, and discovery that needs to be addressed. And, and really, that just comes down to, uh, you know, we talk about the discovery problem and things like that in podcasting. But honestly, I don't think the industry has even tried it's not that hard to advertise podcasts to people 55 plus. I don't just don't think it's been done. Today's 55-year-olds were 45 10 years ago, and, and a lot of them are, in terms of the podcast listening audience, many of them started listening to podcasts when they were in their 40s. So they're kind mm-hmm. of aging into that demographic. So those numbers will continue to equilibrate over time, I think.
0: I appreciate I'm kind of fritting around the data here, but there's so many interesting parts that I wanted to touch on from this survey. And one of the other sections I wanted to talk briefly about was the questions you asked around preferred listening channels for creators because Spotify... Clearly, a long way, the most listened to podcasting platform by people who are creating podcasts. But we know that's certainly not the case in terms of podcast listening in general. So, what is it about the Spotify? I mean, I, actually, as a creator, I'm someone who uses Spotify. That is my preferred podcasting platform. But I never realized that was a common thing amongst other creators. Do you have any idea of what it is about Spotify as a platform that makes creators flock to that over? iOS, for example, which is traditionally the market leader.
1: Well, I'll say two things about that. Number one, here in the United States, when you ask the exact question that you're referring to, what is the platform that you use most often to listen to podcasts? Spotify is number one, and it's been number one for several quarters now. So Spotify is bringing new people into the podcasting space without a doubt. If you just ask podcast listeners in general what podcast platform they use most often, you'll get those three, and you'll get those three in that order. What's different mm. about that graph is the gap between number one and number three. And to be specific, it's the gap between the percentage you say Spotify and the percentage you say Apple. And really, it boils down to a really simple thing, is that Spotify has tools for creators. You know, there's no Apple creator tool. There's no Apple podcast studio. There are things you can log into to see your stats, but Spotify is actually providing tools for creators. Number two on that list is YouTube. YouTube provides tools For creators. And again, every creator is a listener. So it doesn't surprise Mm -hmm. me that platforms that are sort of end to end providing both creation and consumption tools are going to be towards the top of that list with creators.
0: You mentioned that every podcaster is also a creator. I thought one of the other fascinating things was the idea that four in 10 creators have only been listening to podcasts for under a year. What's driven that? Is that just the natural churn of people getting into podcasts and going, oh, I need to discover more and listening to the marketplace? Or do you think some of that boom is down to what we've seen happen over the last couple of years with a pandemic? Certainly in the UK, I imagine this was reflected in the US. The first thing people did when they got locked up in their hoses is they went on. Amazon bought themselves a Blue Yeti microphone and went, right, I'm a podcaster now and started making shows. So do you think that's kind of driven that new creator boom? And might we see a different result in, say, if you did this survey again in 12 months, in 24 months' time?
1: Well, I think, you know, the first thing that you suggested there is probably the lion's share of this, and that is natural churn. I think what these data suggest is that for many people, maybe not most, but for many, creating a podcast Is actually their entry into podcasting, even as a listener or certainly as a regular listener. People discover that these tools exist. Maybe they're not podcast listeners, but they discover these tools and they decide, you know what, I want to make a show or I have something to say. And Mm. and so they say it. And, you know, just as we talk about people pod fading, I think there's also listener fading. And and I, I think that's just natural churn. You know, these data are amongst people who say they listen to podcasts every week. So those are certainly regular listeners. I think that regular weekly podcast listening contingent does have a fair amount of churn to it you know if you're listening to a, a show that is a a short run limited series and it's over it's not guaranteed that you're then going to go find a new podcast maybe you'll just go watch some netflix instead right so i mm-hmm. think there's a lot of natural churn but again i think it's also reflected in the fact that many creators come to the space as a creator first and that just sort of you know instantly creates a listener but that's their entrance into the medium and i think that's not true of the majority but it's true of a healthy percentage
0: that's a really fascinating take because i guess it's a inverted model to how media usually works you don't make a tv show and decide you want to watch tv you don't listen to radio because you were once a dj it's a completely different model to what we're seeing is there any data in the survey to suggest that we're in a rapid period of growth still in terms of podcast creation. There are more people coming to the market, both in terms of creators and in terms of audiences.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suspect the creator space is growing more rapidly than the listener space. I think that's that's mm. just math. You know, The listener space is much larger, the rates of growth are smaller. But you look at things like Spotify's Anchor platform, Anchor's producing like a million podcasts, right? And the last I looked at podcastindex.org, there were a little over four million podcasts. So there's a huge influx of new shows in the space, new creators, and you know maybe they'll continue to stick with it, maybe they won't. I don't have a dog in that fight, but they're creating content. So I think that creator space is going to continue to show a lot of, uh, if not growth, a lot of activity, because I do think there's a fair amount of churn.
0: I've picked out some of my favorite moments or my highlights from the survey. Is there anything that you were really interested in or surprised by when you came to look through the results?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, to be honest, with the, the male-female split, and I, I expected that, but not maybe to that extent. And I, I do think that that's something for anyone to think about getting into the space in terms of broadening the audience. And maybe if you're a creator, you don't think it's your mission or your goal to, to broaden the podcasting audience in general But, you know, the more we think about those kinds of things, the more that we tap opportunities and audiences that are underserved for one reason or another. And all of that helps to broaden the footprint of podcasting and ultimately broadening the footprint of podcasting, creating more regular listeners, more regular consumers, more regular ears to be advertised to is what our goal is. It sounds profitable is to make the space Mm -hmm. bigger because there I think there are a lot of assumptions and kind of received wisdom that that hold podcasting back a little bit. And hopefully every podcaster, their sort of number one duty, I think, is to their audience. But if they could spare a moment to help make the space a little bit better than they found it, I think this is a thing to think about.
0: In terms of sound profitable, you're largely focused in what you do on ad tech in various guises. How does this research play into that from a strategy point of view? I noticed the questions around spending power of podcast creators, both in their houses and in their workplaces. And if we're thinking about podcast creators also as podcast audiences, is that significant for advertisers? Do they need to think about how they can target creators as well as traditional audiences or are they one in the same thing?
1: Well, I mean, to kind of your first point, I would say that certainly my coming on board Sounds Profitable with Brian Barletta, my partner, really represents uh, an expansion of our remit here. You know, mm-hmm. Sounds Profitable certainly started as a way to educate people about ad tech and monetization and advertising. But ultimately, where Brian and I want to go with Sounds Profitable is to create a business, is to create an economy for podcasting in general. It's You know, podcasting's been good to me. It's been good to Brian. We want to do what we can whether that's related to ad tech or audience growth, to help create an industry and an economy that will support as many people as want to uh, and want to commit to it. So you know, our, our mission is really to make podcasting bigger and better and, is, and realize its full potential. So everything that we're going to do, we're going to have more research studies, we're going to have events, we have a lot of things on the, on the roadmap ahead, all in service of making this industry bigger.
0: Before I let you go, Tom, is there anything that you wished you'd asked from this survey when you got the results back is there anything you thought i wish we drilled down deeper into that or added an additional question there that we might see in the creator's survey 2.0 perhaps
1: oh absolutely i mean this is really just a first foray into it there will be a creators 2023 and, and hopefully for years to come i would like to be able to drill down a little bit more into the kinds of content that they're that creators are actually creating You know, we know a little bit about what their Mm. content preferences are as consumers, but uh, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to drill down a little bit more into the types of content being created. Because I suspect some topic areas of varying levels of interest to the public are being under and over served by creators. And I'd love to get a little bit more data on that.
0: Tom, fascinating chat to you. Fascinating to see the results of the survey as well. So thank you very much for publishing it and researching it in the first place. Any listeners can find the links to the survey and the links to Sounds Profitable and all the work they do in the podcast description. But Tom, thank you very much for your time on Sound Business.
1: Cheers, Jim. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Sound Business. All the stuff that Tom mentions from the work that Sounds Profitable does to the survey results can be found in the podcast description. So take a look there if you want to find out more. And if you want to find out more about VoiceWorks, you can follow us on social media, voiceworks.ai, or you can head to the website, which is also voiceworks.ai. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you're a bit of a sound geek, then don't forget to check out the others in this series. Loads of fascinating conversations with fascinating individuals within the audio industry. And I'll see you next time for another sound business.